Amen. Father, we're so grateful. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in us. Thank you, Lord, for appointments right now with people here. Thank you, Lord, that you're ministering, have been ministering to many people, to many of us, to me. Lord, we just surrender to your work. We surrender to what you're doing. We incline our ears to hear what you're saying to me, to each of us. Thank you that you're always speaking to us, shepherd of our souls. We love you, Father. Amen. Amen. So um, I've been doing this, this series with, um, on the Holy Spirit, and um, it's different, as you, can, you may have been able to tell. It's been, we, I titled it Power for Your, your Purpose, Your Purpose. And um, it has been intentionally different because, I, you know, when we really could carry on, I've got some, some pieces that I really feel are important to connect. And it, this is not a technical how-to message in the sense that um, it's just information out there. Do you know that, um, do you know that it's this series, well, like any other series, this series particularly will do you absolutely no good? just want you to take heart in that. It'll do you absolutely no good if all you do is come here to hear about it. It's the truth with anything of the Word of God. Do you know that God's Word is absolutely powerless? I know I've got to tread carefully here, so just stay with me. God's Word is absolutely powerless if you don't put it in your heart. That's what the parable of the sower is all about. God's word is the incorruptible seed, but unless you take the seed and you allow it to find depth of soil in your heart, unless you let it germinate, because it takes the right depth of soil to germinate, it's not, going to, it's not even going to last if you just give it a little bit. It'll sprout briefly, the word of God tells us, but it won't bear fruit. If you want the Word of God to have its end effect in your life, then you have to put it in your heart. And that takes work. (laughs) That takes intentionality. That takes intentionality. Like I said, this, this series will do you no good if all you do is hear it on a Sunday. Because you see, we've got this... We've got this issue in, in um, most of the Western churches, the, it differs, you know, different, different cultures and, and uh, around the world have got different issues, tend to have different issues. It's not, this is not a true uh, blanket general statement, but most of, most of the Western churches have, um, have intellectualized the gospel. They've informationalized the gospel. They've made it about information. And, and Westerners like information, just like the Greeks and Gentiles did in the New Testament. They were all about ideas and concepts and, and information. And you know that information, even though it's a part of the process, it is not the whole process is what I'm talking about. You have to take information, but it has to be far more than just knowledge and information. And so you have to 
bring your heart to the game. Your heart, as, as you've heard me say before, your heart makes the difference between talking and prayer. It makes the difference between singing and worship. You see, if I just gave you a prayer, and this was a, relig- a super religious church, and I said, go ahead and read this quote-unquote prayer, and it's a standard quote-unquote prayer, you know, what they call prayers. It's really not a prayer at all if you just read it out, you know, or if you, like when I was a kid, and I don't know about you, but in our schools, we had the Our Father, and you would just, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, blah, 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 blah. You would just recite, you would recite the Our Father. That is, that is not a prayer because you can recite it. Engaging your heart is an essential truth. And, and you've heard me say this in many different ways at this church. But I tell you, if you don't understand the concepts of your heart, you will not get anything in the kingdom to work for you. Nothing. Because information can't change you. Like I said, it's a part of it. But what you do with it is essential. That gets quiet, right? <laughs> Anyhow. You know, you know the, the process, we, we have so siloed, we have so siloed um, uh, topics in the Western church. And, I, and let me just say, there's other things in other cultures. So there's, there's other cultures that tend to, to, um, to, to make ritual of a lot of things. And, 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 and even though we have a lot of ritual ourselves, um, but I'm not going to go into some of that, but, but we have so siloed information um, so that we, if we teach anything, like for example, if I had to teach on giving or the law of the seed, or I had to teach on covenants, or I had to teach on faith or grace, or uh, I teach on the power of the gospel, or I, I teach on kingdom cause, I teach on, I teach on the Holy Spirit. We have so, if I, I can carry on on topics like I am talking about, um, the sop- but if you remove it and you keep it in a silo, then, then and, you, and you disconnect it from all the other information, it, it can't have a, a fullness of understanding. You can't bring fullness of understanding. I'm trying to communicate something that is difficult to communicate. But no information is standalone. That's right. No topic is standalone. Just like Jesus as the Logos of God. And, I, and you know I've used my, I haven't pulled out my Hermesman sphere for a long time. Let me pull out my Hermesman sphere. My toys. Here you go. I've often said this, the Logos is, this is only three-dimensional. God is far more than three-dimensional. We have no idea how many dimensions God has. I'm guessing it's upwards of 11, but that's just my random guess because that's what they've recognized in science. There's at least 11 dimensions. So, um, but... Logos, Jesus is the Logos. He's the logic of God. He is every, everything in the Logos, everything what we see. He is the manifest wisdom of God. And everything is connected. In that fact, Jesus doesn't say that somewhere in Scripture. It says, in Him, all things hold together. That's right. All things hold together. Everything is connected. Nothing is siloed. But we learn by siloed because we take a look at one piece of the puzzle at a time. And so... If we, but you see, you can't remove the other pieces from as you, as you process and as you, as you think and as you pray in the Spirit 
And as you seek understanding, as it says in, 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 in Proverbs, as you cry aloud for understanding and insight and knowledge, God puts these things together in your heart. He gives you understanding. He gives you wisdom. He, that wisdom will help and benefit you. And I mean, if you, if you do read Proverbs up to chapter 9, it talks about this, how wisdom will benefit you. It'll give you life. It'll bring you long life. It'll bring you wealth. It'll bring you riches. It'll, bring you, it'll protect you. It will guard you. It will guide you. But you and I have to pursue wisdom. God, Jesus, the Logos made flesh, is multidimensional, right? So anything, any topic you look at, you're never going to see it because you're going to see it from a new angle and everything will be connected. But you see, we as Westerners, we make the mistake of siloing information. We look at one piece of information and because, you know, we've got the memory of a fly... Just about, you know, you know, flies, you know, that you try and swat them and they fly away. And two seconds later, they say, ooh, and they come back again because they forget. You know, it's just like sometimes, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be insulting. But our memories don't tend to be very long. Where's Ethan? Is Ethan? (laughs) I was going to say, it's not just Ethan, my son or my daughter. It's like, man, how many times have I told you, you know? But I can, I can, I can, I can just see God sitting there, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? You see, so it's, 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 such, it's so critical, it's so critical that we, that we don't let go or try and throw these things or silo the information in our minds because there is no life. And I tell you, God's been talking to me about a whole different series that is still blowing my mind. And, but, it, but life, life and light, and, and you know, it says that in him was life, and that life was the light of men, it says in John chapter 1, which is powerful. But, but, but if we want to experience God, and we want to establish, and we want to have a functioning, a functioning Christianity, and we are, we're, we're all about authenticity at Lake Haven. We're not going to play religious games. You know, I was, um, I, I don't mean to, I, I, I don't mean to go into this, but I just, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm connecting certain dots here. So I, I was walking past a construction site that's at our house. I know many of you have got, we've had a few subdivisions built near us in the last little while. And um, as I was walking past, they, they're kind of getting close to filling this one up. And I've watched it because I walk past this place and I have for the same route for a couple of years. I watched it when it was an, an apple, an old apple orchard. And I've, I mean, sorry, orange orchard, not apple. It was an orange orchard and I watched them clear it out and I watched them lay this and I watched them do, I've watched them do the whole subdivision slowly. And, and so they're getting ready to end, end and I was watching them pumping concrete and I saw the guy busy laying his foundations and I just thought, and I saw all this, the material that was next to it, the, the trusses already, and this is a big subdivision, so it's interesting, they're planning the houses, I mean, you see, before they even get to the house, they're stacking up the, they're stacking up the, the materials they're going to be using it and they are throwing those buildings up, man, quite something to watch. And, and God reminded me of something that after I'd been to Bible school, um, and I had started working with Ed in the crusade field in Africa, and, and, and I was learning that, that everything that I'd learned in Bible school was only now, because you see, when I left Bible school, I know this probably happens to nobody else, 
But when I was in Bible school, I thought that I knew everything. After Bible school, of course, I'd been to Bible school for a, for a while, man. I've, I've been to listen to hundreds of messages. So what can you teach me? You should just give me a pulpit. I know everything. <laughs> Little did I know that nothing, none of that works in your life. And normally, a lot of Bible school students will crash and burn because, um, seriously, some of them will in, even reject God because they can't get what they think they know to work. Now, let me ask you, is God unfaithful? No. no. Is God untrue? No. no. Is any of the information they learned wrong? No. P- probably not. M- maybe a little bit. Maybe needs some tweaking and adjustment, whatever. But you see, what you get when you get knowledge and information, God showed me, was you get the building material. You don't get the building You see, you have to take the building material and you have to put it into application. You have to take, it takes wisdom to build a house. The application of that comes with hard work and intentionality and pursuit of these things. And that's what the life of a disciple is all about. The life of a disciple is walking that road. The life of a disciple, because (laughs) you've heard me say it again, I'm going to say it. Discipleship is not a course you take. When you become a believer, we have a discipleship group, a D group, and it's fundamentals. And and it's a fundamental because we see things a little differently and do things. So we help people go through. If you've not done D group, please, 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 please do D group. We've done, we're doing a radical different D group right now with Bert's help and videos and we're making it awesome. But do D group. But it's just saying discipleship is not a course. Discipleship is a lifestyle. It's a permanent lifestyle. I've, I've told you, a student is different from a disciple. A student is somebody who just wants to know information. A student just wants to know what their teacher knows. A disciple wants to be like Jesus. Discipleship is a permanent, it's a decision, it's something that you decide, and it's something that you decide daily. Jesus said, unless you lay, you take up your cross daily, and, and I'm telling you, yes, there is a dying to self daily, there is a denial of yourself Daily, etc., etc. I'm not going to go into that. I, I'm already going too far. I'm trying to, to paint a picture here that the, d- discipleship is this, this application of taking this information that we've heard and putting it into practice with the help of the teacher and counselor. See, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and counselor. He is going to help us. But you see, the goal is not so that you've got the right answer for somebody. The goal is so that you can know Him. Knowing Him is knowing life. Knowing Jesus is knowing life. The goal is to know Him. That's what Jesus says eternal life is. That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have seen. John 17, 3. They may know you. You see, you're only going to find life in knowing and having a knowing a personal genuine relationship with Jesus. So it, it's critical that we, that, we, that we grasp that this church is, is, is a place where we encourage one another and it's great to have time of fellowship and get to know one another. Because, but if we see if we make church the goal, 
if coming to church once a week is the goal, we've, we're missing the boat. It's not about going to church. And then people take that to the other, the other ditch and say, well, then church is not important. <laughs> no, it is, it's essential. That you get together in the body of Christ. It's all over the New Testament. It's essential that we get together. It's essential that we encourage one another. It's, it's all of these, each joint supplies. You are, a, you, are, you are a part of the body. You supply a part. I supply a part. Together we are stronger. Together we are better. Does, you, you, you've heard me say these things in different ways. But, but this, so the series on, on, on the Holy Spirit uh, you know, when we're talking about your purpose, you know, understand that, that if it's just information, as with anything that gets said, if you don't take it and be intentional and say, okay, Lord, what is it saying that you're saying to me? And have a takeaway and listen to it again and again and again. Listen, guys, I, I don't particularly like the sound of my own voice. I'm not asking you to likewise the sound of my voice. What I'm, what I'm challenging with you is hear what God is saying to you and do whatever it takes to get it impregnated in your heart. Let the seed germinate in your heart. Constantly water it by meditation and prayer. Think about it. Chew on it. That's what assimilating is about. Amen? Amen. That is what it is. And then, of course, we're told to weed the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things. Okay, Corin, the heart notes card that we have in the thing, she says, use this card to capture the revelations that the Spirit of God has given you. Take it with you and meditate on it, expound on it, and pray about it this week. Let this become part of your life in a real way. These are in your seatback pockets. These are, you know, if you're digital, you can do it on your phone, and I won't think you're texting. I'll just believe the best about you. <laughs> and, you know, um, you know, but, but these, are, these are essential. Now, what will happen to any one of us is if you don't do it, sooner or later, you will give up. You will say, that stuff doesn't work. And in my years as a minister, and, and not even as a minister, I have only, I've only been the lead pastor here seven years. Do you know that Karen and I would have been here 20 years in January? Wow. 20 years. It's like a, almost a lifetime, 20 years. Isn't it crazy, you know? I'm just saying, but, but you know, in all my time as a minister and being in places, I've watched people give up. I was told this when I was at just after Bible school. Some, a friend of mine who's a pastor of a mega church here in the country, and I knew him before he pastored at all, and he said to me, Shannon, when I went to the mission field, he said, and, and I, was, I was just helping and driving trucks and setting up crusade equipment, he said, Shannon, you're doing a very wise thing by just serving. He says, you'll see what will happen to those of you in your school with you. And it's so true. I can look back, you know, how many of them that I was at school with don't even serve God anymore. This, guys, this is not unusual. Do you know how many churches close? Do you know how many pastors leave the ministry? Do you know how, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying that they're on pressures and things like that, but I'm just telling you, I'm so, I'm so fed of it just, become, it just becoming information because we can't connect to the reality of it. We can't get it to work in our lives. Do you know that most Christians said, listen to me, you can challenge me if you think this is different. Do you know that most Christians still struggle with the same sins that they've struggled with when they were, before they were a Christian? 
or struggle with some sin. Now, I know none of you here have struggles with sin, right? You, we're all holier than thou. I mean, yeah. yeah. And you know, you know, there is victory. There is a victory that we, that we are supposed to walk in, but because we've made it about information, we don't know how to get things to work in our lives. And so what I desire for us is, is that we determine that we're disciples, that we're going to walk in this with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the purpose that we have in our lives. You and I have a purpose, and, 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 and we'll, get to, we'll get to that, but, but we're created unto good works. In fact, you know, I was thinking I was going to go a different way this morning, but... Maybe I should start. I'm just going to jump to good works. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about good works because good works, you, you, you heard me say a couple of messages ago that you and I created unto good works. That's what we find. I felt you are designed for a purpose. And when you understand this, and if God tells you anything, rest assured that with when he says to you to do anything, he gives you the ability comes with it. He doesn't expect you to do something unequipped. If he says you can do it, you can do it. All you have, just like Mary, the, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will, you know, she, she, you will have <coughs> a, a child. And, and she just said, amen, may it be it, be it as you've said. That's what you've got to do with God. Anything he says, if you say, but God, I cannot, then you are rejecting God like God doesn't know who you are. God's like, oh, really? You can't do that? Shucks, I thought you could. I must have made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. If he says to you, you can do this or do this in, with his word is impregnated the ability and power to accomplish whatever he asks you to do. Now, I'm not talking about deserving righteousness. Remember, we've got to do this because as soon as you talk about works, people think that what I'm talking about is deserving righteousness. No, no, no. That is literally the definition of dead works. Dead works are one of the very, very few first things in the foundations of the faith that dead works are what we have to repent from. That's trying to change God's mind. You see, we, we still don't understand you covenant prayer because we're trying to change God's mind because we think that's what prayer is. We think, we, we, we think that we can change God's mind somehow or that God isn't doing what he should be doing or that he still has to. Anyways, I won't go into new covenant prayer. It's a whole other topic. But dead works is trying to change God's mind. Dead works is trying to derive righteousness from my actions. Even if my actions are trying to keep Old Testament law. So that is dead works. We've got to understand. But we are not created unto dead works. We are created unto good works, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, really says this. It says, for we are his workmanship. Isn't it powerful? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. There it is. We are his workmanship. Whose workmanship? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Man, if you ever look, Ephesians is so full of those words. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You guys, you see, we are designed to live in good works. And I know, listen, if you've come out of religion, 
you have a whole concept of what the words good works means. You have a whole burden because you think, oh, I've got to do so. I've got to help the lady cross the road. I've got to do this. I've got to, whatever, whatever you think is. And so it can be, no, no, I, I'm just saying that that is, you've, you've got to let God redefine your understanding of what good works are. But you are created unto good works. Remember, God impregnates you with, with the ability to, to do and, and be and who you're supposed to do and be through his Holy Spirit, right? So we see this in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, too. Um, for the grace of God, what a powerful scripture. For, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion. Man, I love this. Because grace, man, I could go off on a tangent there. I've got to be careful. Grace, grace teaches us to renounce ungodliness, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace is not a, a license to sin, etc., etc. So I, I'm not going to go into that right now. But waiting for our blessed hope, verse 13, the appearing of the, um, of the glory of our God, a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness, which is a lot of people what have equated grace with. They've, they've just said, you can do whatever you want to. It's just like, no, we have been redeemed from lawlessness and to, listen to this, purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I'm going to read that last part. To purify himself a people for his own possession who are zealous, eagerly desire and burn with passion for good works. You know, what, you know what your purpose is? To eagerly, to be zealous, to burn with passion. Not just, oh, I want to be super spiritual. I want people to walk in and say, ooh, there's that guy that does the miracles. <laughs> Listen, guys, let me tell you what. You can do all the miracles in the world, and if you aren't practicing Jesus Christianity, like we said last week, it means nothing. If you don't love people genuinely with God's love, <coughs> excuse me, means nothing. I don't care how many miracles you do. Miracles anybody can do. That's what the Bible teaches. You do because it's not your ability that does miracles. Neither are miracles an ability of your great fancy holiness. So let's just get that one out the way, lest you pursue that sort of thing. But we've said we've I've said to in the previous ones we were talking about the love of God and. Anyhow, it's just, it's such a central part because love and walking in these things are real Christianity. Guys, we, I'm telling you, this is where we find purpose. When you find your purpose, and this is what I hope to do with this series, to, to challenge you to find in your God-given directed purpose, you are going to wake up every morning. Depression will flee from you. Yes. If you're depressed... And I'm not saying that if you don't have some chemical imbalance that you want to bl blame. I was going to say, sorry, not blame. Um, some, of the, some people have a genuine thing. I'm not going to try and I'm not deriding anybody. But I'm just saying depression has no place in a person that knows what their cause and their purpose is. When you jump up and you know exactly what you're called to, what part you're playing. Because, and I'm not saying that you can't still work at 7-Eleven and have purpose. But you jump up in the morning, you know what you're called to do. Then in Titus 3 verse 1, it says this. 
Now remember, we, we're zealous for good works. Then it says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. This is, this, by the way, just before I go into this, when we go into this list of stuff, this is Paul, the apostle, quote-unquote, of grace speaking, right? Now, remember, you're empowered to be and to do and to act what God has told, who God shows us that we are. He says to speak evil of everybody except the president. Oh. <laughs> to avoid quarreling. To be gentle. Hmm. To show perfect courtesy or mature courtesy toward all people for we ourselves were once foolish disobedient led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our days in malice and envy hated by others and hating one another and then there's the nice but verse 4 but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness isn't that powerful he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of generation and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by His grace, we may become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, verse 8, and I want to insist on these things so that all who have believed in God may be careful to... Where is verse 8? I lost it. There. Be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are the excellent and profitable. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Here it says which we should be careful to devote ourselves to good works. Verse 14, just a few verses down again. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. As to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So I'm just showing you with a, a few scriptures here that this is part of your purpose, that this is part of my purpose. We we're called to be this. Yeah. Amen. You see, God has enabled us. And, and I, 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 really, I really want to just touch on for a, for a few minutes here, um, I, although I, I don't think I'll get very, very far, but... We've got to understand, um, you know, the, the famous, when you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8? Now, how many times have you heard that scripture? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. How many of you know what the word power there is in Greek? You students. Dunamis, that's right. Dunamis. Now, how many other Greek words are there for the word power? Anybody have an idea? Good guess. Close. No, no, there's actually fewer than that. There are six words for power. Dunamis is one of them. Bia is one of them. Bia means this, a force, effective, often oppressive power exhibiting itself in single deeds of violence. Bia. Dunamis, power, natural ability, general and inherent power. Energia, working, power and exercise, operative power. Now, I'm not obviously breaking every one of them down. I'm just giving you, laying out field for you. Exousia, liberty of action, authority, 
as delegated power or as unrestrained arbitrary power. Ischus, strength, power as an endowment, ability, or might. And kratos, don't you like that one? I like that one. Kratos, sounds powerful. Kratos, might, relative, manifested power. So, understanding, as, as, we, as we understand some of these words, and I wanted to break them out into in two specific scriptures in, in, in Ephesians, and my purpose for doing this and even explaining to you that there's more than, there's, there's a few, there's a few is, is understanding that when we speak about power, we, if we don't have an understanding what that means or what that looks like, now remember, you've got to package what I'm saying in context with everything else I've been saying. We've been talking about the love of God. We've been talking about the essential work and understanding that it's the love of God and how this is his person. If you don't understand the love of God, if you're not receiving and living and working in his love, you can't even understand how God works, why he works, right? And then I, I, I you know, last week I, I mentioned this, um, this scripture and I wanted to, and, and Janine was kind enough to type it out for me in 2 Corinthians 5.14 from the Kenneth S. Wiest translation. Now, somebody asked, so I'm Wiest is W-U-E-S-T, Kenneth Wiest's translation. Do, do we have that, Janine? Um, 2 Corinthians 5 from the Wiest translation. Now, this is from 2 Corinthians 5.14, which remember in other scriptures it says that for the love of Christ controls me or constrains me or compels me. Okay, but Wiest explains it this way. He says, for the love which Christ has for me presses on me from all sides, holding me to one end and prohibiting me from considering any other, wrapping around me in tenderness, giving me an impelling motive, having brought me to this conclusion, namely, that the one who died on behalf of all, therefore, all died. I just love that. That, that. that was the word constrain. He presses on me from or gives me, he presses on, gives me an impelling motive. God's motive is always love. Guys, if we don't, aren't motivated by love, we cannot operate like God operates. When you're trying to be famous, you are not being motivated by love. You, are, you have another agenda. It's a very selfish agenda. It's called selfish ambition. And if you study James, James says if you get into that stuff, you'll have wickedness and every evil thing. Because all you're doing is you're trying to build up your ego or your bad little self-worth so that people will notice you and then you can manipulate big fat offerings and tell people how awesome you are. None of you, of course, are like this. You know, I just, I, I know I'm talking about some of those televangelists that the world sees that have rejected God completely because they, call, they see hypocrites. They see guys wearing $6,000 suits and Rolexes and talking about how many airplanes they have and they just shake their heads. And Do you blame them? Am I, saying that, am I saying that it's not okay to be blessed in the Lord? Well, of course not. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I am saying that if you are not motivated by love, if you don't let the love of God in, if you don't let it, Him, if you don't let him, yourself be persuaded, I've ministered for this for three weeks, and I'm not going to go there again. I'm just reminding you, remember, this is the love of God has got to be our primary intention. You have to first receive it for it to motivate you and to, 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 to operate. So, so when, you know, and I mean... <clears throat> 
I, in the Amplified, I'm just going to read this again, the same passage. Forgive me, but I just have to. It says, for the love of God controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that one died for all and that all died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer uh, live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. When, when we are so driven by love and we understand that that love is for other people and we are so impregnated with the love of God, guess what? It's not about you or me or my ego. It's about giving glory to Jesus and his life and his ego. And I believe that this is where the power of the church lies. When the church wakes up to unselfish, when the church gets so motivated to be love, to, to walk in love, and as I said, that we will have a love illusion. Because that's what the world will notice. Like it is, love, nobody can stand against love. When we are going to love when our enemy slaps us in the face, when they crucify us or burn us alive or throw us in jail, <coughs> we're going to love. That's what's going to take to change the world. And I know our flesh doesn't like hearing a statement like that. Because, you know, we're Americans. I was born for comfort. I love this nation. Man, I have my air conditioning on at home, and I love it. I would rather live in comfort. Let me face it. My flesh would rather live in comfort. I am not an eager to, to be a martyr. But I can promise you what, if we're going to do things Jesus said, he says we will be persecuted. And then I want to ask you, where do you want to live in comfort, on earth or in heaven? And I'm not saying that they're not everybody, but I just say, let's put things in perspective a little bit. We're going to spend eternity in heaven. We have time here to make a difference. Do you want to be a part? Do you want to make a difference? Is the question that you and I have to. I am not preaching persecution on you. I'm just saying, according to Titus and Thessalonians, that this is coming our way. And you know what? There is going to be a great falling away from the church. Because a lot of people are going to say, no, 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 no. That's not what I signed up. I signed up on the understanding that, I, you know, I'll give some money and come once a week. That's about as far. All that other stuff, not so much. That's okay. If that's what you signed up for, I'm just giving you an opportunity to see things God's way. And the more we walk into the, <laughs> this doesn't sound like a good news message at all. <laughs> Persecution, yeah! <laughs> but, there is, but there is, I'm telling you, the world needs to see a love illusion. When they understand... When, when they see you and, the, 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 and the, they will, their hearts are going to be changed because the love that you have is undeniable. Because you choose to, one, firstly, be loved and filled with the love of God, and secondly, to demonstrate that. And then when, we, when you see when our motive is love, then we can talk about, when we can talk about power.
because, because we can't be trusted with power any more than a child can be trusted with anything dangerous, a car or a firearm. Power. God wants to entrust you with power. But there's all kinds of power as we've read. And I, and I, and I have some real good scriptures and I want to break that out for you, but I'm, I'm not going to do it today because and we can get into that next week because understanding different kinds of power and, and we've got some great scriptures that put them all in. And, I, and, and so I'll get, to that this, I'll get to that next week. But I want you to know that you and I are called to be part of this. We're living in such a time as this. You, are not, you aren't born as a mistake. If you think, well, I'm just nobody, or like we heard the word, that you are disqualified from Miss Kathy, that if you feel like you have been disqualified or you, you can't know. In fact, let's close with this. Let's close our eyes. Let's do this. Now, with every eye closed, I want you to use your imagination. God gave us an imagination for a reason. Imagination is powerful. Imagination, let me just give you an example. While your eyes are closed, imagination is, we use it negatively very often through the day. In other words, you can start thinking about somebody negative or some political situation or something and you can start getting fearful. You can experience fear. Or you can start thinking about somebody who offended you or did something wrong to you and you can think at it soon enough you're actually heated and angry. Not because that person is there with you, but because you've been meditating on them and on that situation. Now God gives us imagination for a positive reason. We can use it very positively. Remember this about as you imagine this truth, these truths, you've got to realize this truth is for you because every promise is yes and amen. So you've got to make it personal. You've got to make it for you, not for anybody else that should have been here. You've got to make it positive and it's got to be now. You've got to see yourself as this now. Not I'm going to be like this. No, this is who God made me now. That's how we use imagination. Personal, positive, and present tense. Say these to yourself in your heart. I am not a mistake. I am born for such a time. I was born in this country, came to this country right now. I am loved by God. I am not some random insignificant human. I am unique. And I have a unique gift to this body to the entire body of Christ.
It's my responsibility to choose and therefore I will choose. And my question to you is, what will you choose? Will you choose to hear him? Will you choose to listen to what he says? Align yourself with what he says. Will you conform your view and opinion to what he says? Will you choose to walk in his ways? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to say it again. I am loved. I am forgiven. I have been made whole. You know, the truth is that every sickness and disease and pain is taken on Jesus. Now, if anybody here or, or watching this online, if you've not made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life or you've not allowed him to be the Savior of that situation, please respond to that right now in your heart. You just say, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. He will be there immediately. He is there immediately. Thank you, Jesus, for ministering to those people. As you choose to align yourself with his opinion, I'm telling you, darkness in your life is going to lift. Deliverance is going to be setting you free because those things do fall away in the light. But it is your choice whether you will hold on to your opinion, your religious views, your traditions, or whether you will choose to come out and believe what Jesus says about you. It is just a choice. Remember this, this is not, this is not a one-time offer. This is a daily call. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you minister to each one of us. Thank you that you are confirming truth. Thank you, Lord, for giving us understanding and insight and knowledge in Jesus name Lord we just respond to that Father thank you that we we put into practice that which we hear some said it thundered thank you Jesus thank you Holy Spirit mm. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I can sense that. I feel that. So many are experiencing deliverance right now. I genuinely feel that. Some of you have literally just let go of things that you think have held you captive. Thank you for letting them go. 
Jesus' name. If you're sitting here and you're saying, but I don't know what my purpose is. I want to encourage you to first know who, what your identity is. When you get your identity settled, those, those affirmations that Shannon read, those are true of every single one of us. Identity is who I am in him. My identity is identical to Jesus. The way God sees me is how he sees Jesus. My purpose is different than yours, but I cannot even see my purpose until I'm established in my identity. Don't chase somebody else's purpose. Don't chase somebody else's identity. Find your identity in him. And it's like stepping through a door. When you have your identity established, your purpose will blow up in front of you. And your purpose will fit perfectly like a puzzle piece within his purpose. It will not contradict the kingdom purpose. It will not contradict the body purpose. It will not contradict, but it will be so unique that it will take you to do your part. So if you're saying, I don't know what my purpose is, Stop pursuing purpose and get established in your identity in Him. Say yes to in Him. And then you will see the explosion happening. You'll see the dunamis. You'll see, the, you'll see the, all those power things, which I'm so excited to listen to. Although I'm going to be in kids' church next week. That's okay. I'll watch online after the fact. Say yes to in him. Yes to Jesus. And then watch what happens to your purpose. Amen. I can't hear. Amen. Well, thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to us. You know, I, I do want to challenge you. I know God has been moving. If, if God does something in your heart... In any one of our services please let us know because some of those testimonies we want to get on video so we can show them both here and put them online because it is powerful when people people when your your testimony is a huge power when you did when you experience emotional or any kind of physical deliverance or you set free please tell us okay we want to get that recorded amen um, I know that I'm not. I don't think Antonio did come today, but he came back from the uh, he came back from the mission field. Did 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 he come today? He didn't come. Today.